Hello, and welcome back to another episode of All Is Well with yours truly, Marina Zaran. Today we have another mini episode. We're talking all things building resilience and immunity during travels. I love these mini episodes because it gives me an opportunity to talk about some functional medicine, nutrition, Ayurvedic wisdoms that can hopefully lend you some gold nuggets that you can take into your life. I like to touch on practices, methods, education, ways to empower you to feel like the strongest, most badass version in your health and wellness life. Today we're talking travel, how to build resilience and immunity when you're going long distances, when you're hopping on a flight, when you're taking a long drive, when you're staying in a new place, so on and so forth. I imagine most of you experience the bodily effects when traveling, especially via plane. If you're like me or if you have more of a vata constitution, meaning you experience a bit of dryness when you travel, you might fly somewhere, land, and not have a bowel movement for a couple days. So today we're going to talk about all the tips and tricks to keep your vitals strong. So I recently just got back from Mexico where I spent the holiday with my family and I got really sick. I got smacked with two different things and I'm going to take you through it. This is a great case study of what to look for and how to handle it. When I was in Mexico, I got a classic stomach bug, Montezuma's Revenge. It was not great. I ate something and it stayed in the stomach and that's how I knew something was wrong because your body is very intelligent and it knows we are not going to continue to descend this food into the other digestive organs if we know that it should not be further integrated into the body system. So it stays in the stomach and then it'll trigger a a gag reflex response so you can throw it up. That is why you vomit. Many of you know this mechanism, right? You see it in dogs, you see it in kids, and you see it in yourself. So I violently threw up for like eight hours. I mean, I like thought I was dying. I was going in and out. I was browning out. I wasn't even sure what was going on. My body felt so weak. So after that experience, which if you've experienced the stomach flu, you know exactly how this feels. The next day you are depleted and you are empty. You have to consider a few things. So a cold and a flu are different. You want to feed the flu. You want to starve a cold. So when the body is super weak and depleted, you need to make sure that it is hydrated and that is receiving nutrients. However, you're body will tell you. It will give you signals. It will give you hunger cues when it's ready to receive food again. So I wasn't able to eat for the next three days or so. So we are talking baseline resilience and immunity was compromised. So after not eating for a few days, taking in a few liquids, trying to make sure that I stay hydrated, I go to fly home. So I'm finally feeling a little bit better. I ate my first solid food. I'm going to fly home. And as I'm sitting on the airport with a mask, mind you, I can feel myself contracting an illness. I can feel my throat inflaming and the body aches coming in. And I just felt the onset of an upper respiratory virus coming into my body and just being like, oh, her immune system is down. Release the fury. Go, 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 go. And my immune system wasn't able to fight it off for multiple reasons. When you're on a flight, you are a hundred times more likely to contract an illness. This is because the cabin is extremely dry, making airborne infections very easy to pass throughout the flight. I am sure many of you have a memory or experience of getting on a flight and getting to your destination all excited, and then you feel like shit. You have a cold, you have a runny nose, you have a cough, and you got in a 
travel bug and now you're exhausted and you're just like, what the heck am I supposed to do? So I'm going to give you some serious support and ways to help avoid these bugs, these viruses, and keep you resilient as you travel. Number one, if you know that you're hopping on a flight and your exposure to sickness is tenfold, bring your supplementation, bring your ascorable palmitate, your D3. I also use a couple other uh, supplementations. I use a powder, um, an amino acid nootropic powder called Virutech from Onnit. I love it. I'll link it in the podcast. It is just directly put in water. We have a bunch of these single serving packets that we take with us pretty much everywhere we go. And so having these sidekicks are fantastic. And this is all recommendations, right? Because I'm not a physician. This is not me giving you medical advice. This is me sharing with you what I do. First up, we have ascorbyl palmitate. Most people take a vitamin C supplement in the form of ascorbic acid. So why are you hearing something new? You might have never heard this form of vitamin C before. Well, we are choosing a fat-soluble derivative of vitamin C. It's easier, highly more absorbable, and effectively used in the body. So I like to take the supplements with lemon water specifically because we love the active constituent of lemon rind, hesperidin, because it works hand-in-hand combat with vitamin C. We want this vitamin C enrichment in our body because it's critical micronutrient, guys. It contributes to your immune defense system. It supports so many cellular functions in the body and its ability to adapt the immune system as needed when being exposed to a potential pathogen. So vitamin C is also the strong antioxidant. It fights the free radicals. It is quite literally there to identify, attack, and absolve issues, alien substances, pathogens, viruses in the body. This brilliant micronutrient decreases inflammation, increases immune system functioning in the body, and it is overall a fantastic aid when you're feeling unwell. Listen, please do not buy the vitamin C emergency packets that are ridden with sugar. Sugar prohibits the absorption of vitamin C in the body. It is quite literally counterintuitive for you to absorb sugar the same time that you're taking in vitamin C if the goal is to upregulate and support the immune system. So if you ever come across an emergency packet on your travels or someone gives it to you, just don't take it. It's it's not helpful in any form, I promise. It's a bunch of bull shark. I like to take 1,000 milligrams twice a day of ascorable palmitate. My favorite brand is Pure Encapsulations. Next up, we have zinc picolinate. Zinc is a fantastic sidekick to ascorbyl palmitate to vitamin C. You want to take your vitamin C supplement first and then follow it up with your zinc supplement. You can wait 30 minutes in between if you really want to get the benefit of the interaction between the two. Zinc picolinate is really powerful and it's incredibly relevant when we're looking at COVID. When zinc is inside the cell, it prohibits the replicase protein from taking over our cell's mechanism to replicate the virus, aka what generates more of the viral genome inside of you. So if you are somebody that's COVID averse and when they're traveling, wearing a mask and really dosing up and trying to stay healthy, you're immune compromised for whatever reason, you are looking to keep COVID out of the body, take your zinc picolinate supplement. This is a very important note. Most people don't understand how we can bring bioavailability of a supplement, a nutrient, a protein inside the body 
with the zinc in order to successfully bring it inside of the cell so it can protect you. Just like we talked about it coming into the cell to prohibit the replicase protein from taking over the cell's actions. In order for zinc to even come inside the cell, we need a specific group of compounds. And when I say compound, I'm looking at an active ingredient found in a particular food, herb. We are looking for a specific compound called ionophores. Ionophores are responsible for bringing charged particles like zinc into the cell. Great examples of ionophores in order of really potent options are the following. Number one, quercetin. Quercetin supplementation is honestly on my list for what to bring when you travel, but for the sake of keeping it simple on this podcast, it works hand in hand with zinc. Just like we know that certain elements are needed in order to increase potency or the action of a particular supplement, we know that we need ionophores for zinc. A type of ionophore, quercetin, is a great option. This is anything that has the color of that deep red or purple found in grapes, raspberries, nectarines, red onion, red wine. Other options that are also really high in potency are broccoli and black tea. Now, if you really want to focus on something to bring support of ionophores while you're taking your zinc supplement, I would say that your best option are the raspberries, are the grapes, and the nectarines. Antioxidant fruit is is so incredibly rich in anthocyanins, so incredibly rich in specific amino acids, specific essential compounds that can support our ability to stay resilient. So that's number one. When you're taking a zinc supplement or if you know you're not feeling well and you're taking your vitamin C, your zinc, and you know that you have to eat at some point, focus on Berries. Berries are fantastic for you to bring into the diet. Number two, another ionophore example that is potent and strong and essential in supporting zinc coming into the cell is cucurbit. Turmeric. Add a sprinkle of turmeric to your oatmeal, to your coffee, to your piece of toast with yogurt. Wherever you are, add a sprinkle of turmeric. Put it in your smoothie, in your tea, however you can get it. Interesting note. During the COVID epidemic, which we're very much still in the midst of. But when we were experiencing it in the trenches, India has four times our population, yet half of the COVID deaths and cases to America. And it's interesting because India as a culture introduces far more ionophores into their diet than we do. So it's curious to have the conversation about how much of our diet, our functional nutrition, our precision nutrition as a country is contributing to us either staying well or not being well, being very unwell, being compromised and when we're afflicted with a pathogen, us falling to the trenches first. My zinc dosages are as follows. 15 to 30 milligrams twice a day preventative. So as we're in cold and flu season, viral season, this is something I would just take daily. Or 30 milligrams twice a day if you feel like you've been exposed or you're catching something, you're on the flight, you're like, oh, my immune system's been compromised.
All right, we're moving on to number three. But before we dive in, I do want to say that if you are still here, you are listening and educating yourself about pharmacology, about about physiology. Kudos to you. You're learning, you're adapting, you're understanding how to best make your resilience and immunity stronger so that you can support the people around you, whether that's your family or your partner or the obligations and responsibilities that you have in your life. You have to put your oxygen mask on first before helping the people around you. And so this is a fantastic first step in learning how to do that. I think my dharma is talking about building resilience, building the immune system, supporting strong bodies to rise up against challenges in their life. And so kudos to you. Cheers to you. Let's segue to number three, the queen, vitamin D. Vitamin D is not just your run-of-the-mill shelf supplement. Vitamin D is an effing steroid hormone that literally controls 5%, more or less, 5% of all protein encoding genome in your body. Vitamin D, pretty insane, right? Vitamin D is not something that can be created inside the body. It is something that has to be obtained. Most people get their vitamin D from that big, beautiful sun. And what happens is the skin is the precursor to vitamin D coming inside of the body. And from there, it goes to the liver. It's moved into the kidneys of which our active form of vitamin D becomes. And so vitamin D is essential in our overall resilience and immunity. Deficiency is very common in most people. In fact, most individuals that were compromised severely from COVID or had lasting effects post-COVID, almost every single one, if not every single person, I don't want to speak in vast terms. When looking at studies that were specific to vitamin D labs in individuals, every single person that was compromised from COVID were deficient in vitamin D. Vitamin D deficiency can lead in the overexpression of a particular enzyme produced in the kidneys called renin. Remember that the kidneys help produce an absorbable form of vitamin D. So when the kidneys are not being used in which they are designed and mechanized to use, we have an overproduction of a specific enzyme called renin. Renin is a critical regulator of blood pressure. And when in excess, it contributes to additional stress on certain organ systems, specifically the kidneys of which where it's produced, the heart and the lungs. So if you think about it, there is a system, there's this chain of events happening inside of the body. And so we We really need the organs to do what they are meant to do by processing, absorbing, transferring hormones, supplements, nutrients, micronutrients in the body. Vitamin D is essential. In regards to COVID, vitamin D upregulates ACE2 receptors. You very likely have heard of ACE2 receptors in the conversations around COVID. ACE2 is where certain proteins attach and allow mRNA data to enter the cell. This is how COVID enters our genome. So we're kind of working backwards a little bit from once we were talking about the zinc. CoV-2, SARS-CoV-2 requires ACE2 receptors in order to enter the cell. It is the doorway. We need our ACE2 receptors to protect us against tissue damage, specifically in the lung, heart, and kidneys. Thus, this is why these particular areas are more susceptible to damage with COVID. So it turns out all of us have different amounts of ACE2 receptors, depending on your health history. It looks different for every person, but the more ACE2 receptors that you have, the more access points you have for COVID to enter the body. So if you have more receptors, and we do know that you have a greater quantity of ACE2 receptors if you are on ARBs or blood pressure medications, and these are medications that end in in the TANs like Olmosartan, Telmosartan, and lastly in ACE inhibitor medications. These are the ones that end in the pril, like Benzapril, Fosinopril, 
Lopril, Captopril, Moxapril, there's a lot of them. Some interesting in information, right? What I find to be curious about all of this is that if we know that vitamin D is essential to the health of the skin, the liver, the kidneys, the heart, and the lungs, when deficient, we have an overexpression of certain enzymes that lead to distress in those organ systems. However, when you have enough of them, it keeps you safe from having viral genome compromisation from viral loads like COVID. So it's really a complete whole system that works together to keep you healthy. Vitamin D is, it is essential in health and resilience. So take your vitamins, take your vitamin D, take 5,000 IUs a day, could be more depending on your blood work. What's great about vitamin D is that a baseline could be good for you. However, I highly suggest getting your blood work done because there are only there's only so much information you can get. And then you can look at the labs and really start to fine tune how to best support you in the long run. But as a base run, 5,000 IU of vitamin D3 a day is a fantastic start to support baseline resilience in your immune system. Listen, when I'm not feeling well, I'll double down on my supplements. I'll take them in the morning and then I'll take them that evening. Use your supplements as a tool, as a guide to upregulate and support your immune system on the run. We're going to move on from supplements now and talk about different elements, practices, and methods to keep you resilient while you're traveling. Let's touch on hydration. When you fly, you lose a lot of water content. Your body is exposed to a significantly drier atmosphere. Therefore, the body experiences dehydration. By the time you feel the physical sensation of thirst, you're already dehydrated. Our thirst mechanism does not signal, pre-signal, until after the dehydration has set in the body. There is plenty of research that shows the negative effects of even 1% dehydration in the body. It affects your mood, your attention, your memory. It affects coordination, muscle movement, and so on. Well, why? What does this mean? Why is it a big deal when we're dehydrated? It's because your blood thickens. It concentrates. It makes it harder for your cardiovascular system to maintain appropriate blood pressure. So consider this. I just gave you a massive list of supplements to take. You can take them in the morning or you can take them in the evening. If you take them in the morning, remember they are fat-soluble. So you want a fat constituent. So you could wait to take them before breakfast, maybe 30 minutes before breakfast or so, because you want to get in a shit ton of water. I get try to get in at least 32 ounces of water every morning when I wake up. When you arise and you immediately hydrate, you put your kidneys in an acute state of detoxification. The liver and the kidneys, they detoxify when you're asleep. And so when you ride the coattails off of that in the early hours of the morning, it's a fantastic time to hydrate. However, those who know me know how I feel about just regular water. Water is not nearly as hydrating as it used to be. We don't have the mineral content. Our water is filled with all sorts of pharmaceuticals, pharmacologicals that are honestly more harmful than they are beneficial in many different ways. And so I'm a water snob. Yes, I drink filtered water. I also use the water as a canvas. So I use it as an opportunity to add lemon juice, lemon rind, electrolytes, amino acids, viral supports, immune upregulators, and so on. I love Onnit's powder products of New Mood, Virutech, Alpha Brain. I also like Element as well for electrolytes. And then I use my herbs, my fruits to enrich the water in a whole food capacity. Hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Do not drink the coffee on a plane. I will spare you the details of why that is no bueno. 
stay away from one, a dehydrating drink, and number two, the water that they use on an airplane. Honestly, it's amazing that I've lasted this long, 20 minutes in, and I have yet to talk about bowel movements. Bowel movements are the number one indicator of health. And if you listen to my last solo episode, I talked a lot about bowel movements and the importance for your physiology. What happens when you fly is as the cabin pressure drops, the gas in your intestines expands. Quite literally, physiologically, there's a lot happening inside of you when you fly or when you travel in general, but specifically when you're in your airplane, the gas inside of you expands and it creates this dryness inside the digestive organs, specifically the colon and the large intestines. There is no wonder you experience stomach pains when you travel. I definitely do. And then it lends itself to constipation once you arrive in your destination. So when I travel, I know that if I don't take the necessary precautions, I'm not going to have a bowel movement for like three days, which is not good. We want a bowel movement every single day at least once a day. Best case scenario in the morning when you arise. So if you're someone that experiences that constipation, the dryness in the stools, here are some tips and tricks that will support you. Number one, stay hydrated. Water is one of the greatest way to stimulate the colon, especially when you rise early in the morning. You can do so by adding lemon to your water. A hot tea is a great way to support bowel movements. Number two, we want to increase oil nourishment density into the body. Focus on foods that are easy to digest, that do not deplete you, that aren't ridden with preservatives, and focus on foods that are enriching to the GI tract. These are foods like high protein, high fat, delicious, unctuous, maybe a soup, something that you could cook in a crock pot, something with a broth, nutrient-dense foods. Other ways to support making it a good digestive option is to add carminative herbs. Carminative herbs are herbs that stimulate and dispel gas in the body. So it supports the movement, the functionality of the digestive tract. These are herbs like first and foremost, black pepper. Anywhere you go, whether you're at a restaurant, on an airplane, most places in the entire world offer black pepper as an option when dining. Put a healthy ass dose of black pepper on your meal. A good dose. It will stimulate the GI. It will support the production of a bowel movement. Other carminative herbs that you can increase in your diet, I like to do it through tea or through beverages, are as follows. Ginger, Ah, you can just put ginger slices in your tea, ginger tea, ginger lemon tea, best case scenario, right? Peppermint, fantastic. And you'll notice that all of these herbs are actually quite heating. Peppermint is not a cooling herb. Peppermint is very heating. Same with ginger as well. So it has a warming effect inside of the body, which is what we want to focus on. Cinnamon. Cinnamon is a fantastic carminative. It's warming, but it's not as warming as peppermint or ginger. So if you're somebody that runs very hot and you need something that's less stimulating, cinnamon is a fantastic option. So if you're somebody that travels, whether you're traveling through plane or car, train, wherever you're doing it, bring your own tea bags, bring your own tea bags, bring your own chai tea bag, peppermint, lemon ginger. I always travel with a bag of tea in my purse in case I need that extra support. That is my pro tip on supporting bowel movements. I use a product called Digize by Young Living, and I actually do not really support the consumption of essential oils because if you think about it, in some of those essential oils like rose, for example, you have a thousand pounds of rose concentrated into a one ounce bottle. We have no business consuming that much saturation and concentration of an herb. However, there is this product called Digize made by Young Living, and it is my savior 
saving grace when I travel or I need to support or stimulate a bowel movement or if I have specifically any type of discomfort in the stomach. It is a combination of carminative digestive stimulants like tarragon, ginger, peppermint, fennel, mm, lemongrass, patchouli. It is the most soothing little sidekick. I bring it with me. It's expensive. I love it. And I don't use it often. But when I do, it supports 10 out of 10 times. Last but not least, my tip, my trick for you to support resilience and immunity when you are traveling is to make sure that you prime your second major detoxification system. That is your skin through sweat. Sweat babies, sweat, sweat, sweat. Take yourself on a brisk walk, do a fun yoga practice, dance, whatever you have to do to get circulation up and the body to perspire, even just for 20 minutes a day. Sweating is essential. Those are the practices that I have for you. If implemented on all of your travels, I promise you will be in great shape. You will arrive and stay at the destination of your choice with great resilience and immunity. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of All Is Well with Marina Zaran. Stay tuned for our next episode. Make sure to subscribe and download, and I can't wait to chat soon.